This month, Capra will release their new album in transmission via Blacklight Media Records, mixed by Taylor Young and mastered by Brad Boatwright. The resulting album is reminiscent of late 90s and early 2000s hardcore and punk with a metal edge. With their venom spitting front woman and hard rocking riffs, it's hard not to be enamored with the lightning charged assault of these southern metallic hardcore devotees. Purchase your copy of In Transmission by Capra now at blacklightmediarecords.com slash Capra. Once again, In Transmission by Capra. Pre-order now, blacklightmediarecords.com slash Capra. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Spych, Brandon Hahn, and Sylvia Alvarado. Metal Sucks Podcast. Hello, friends out there. It is I, your host, Petter Spych. I am always joined by Brandon Hahn. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at your buddy Gooch. And, and Sylvia, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at It's the Sylvia. And make sure to follow our other co-host, Joslyn Sharp, guys. That's uh, J-O-Z-A-L-Y-N Sharp. On Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, she is on TikTok at the Wizard of Jaws. If you guys want to follow me, I am at Rise to Offend on Facebook and Twitter, Rise to Offend official on Instagram. This week, we got none other than Steve Von Till from Neurosis on the show. We are here to celebrate his solo album and talk about that entire career. Man, a great fun interview. I love I love the art aspect of everything that has been part of his career. The new solo album, A Deep Voiceless Wilderness, is out April 30th. Also, he did put out a poetry book a couple months back, and he is going to release a spoken word release. It's Harvest Man 23, Untitled Poems. Also out April 30th, guys. We're going to talk all about his solo career and all that stuff in the interview here shortly. But before we do that, guys, let's jump into the Metal Sucks news. Tell me who's insidious, tell me who's an idiot, and tell me how to feel, it's the news. Make me feel great, make me feel hate, feel my own agenda, it's the news, like the new gods all right guys mudvane we have talked about a reunion for mudvane forever yeah forever it's been like what 12 years every yeah i think 12 i think 12 or 13 like you said and chad has never said mudvane was broken up well they were like on a hiatus he's always been like he's like not not broken he never would say that the band is broken up Mm -hmm. but like a 12 year hiatus yeah that's uh, that's a bit of a stretch there's a reunion this is a reunion everybody always knew that they'd get back together i think in essence is what you're saying they were broken up ish ish Ish, yeah. yeah, System of Down was like that for a minute. They never said they broke up, weren't they on a hiatus? Uh, I mean, I yeah, but eh. yeah, I, same feeling. But um, and so yeah, they're coming back. They're, Are they they're making he- new music? No, it just says they're headlining four festivals, guys. Uh, like later this year, right? Later for this year, the yeah. Summer? I I can give you those dates real quick. It's gonna be September 10th. It's in the fall. September 10th to 12th, October 7th to the 10th, mm. September 23rd to the 26th, and November 11th through the 14th all in the united states um and they're headlining so slipknot is on the headliner on one day mudvane's the next day 
Do you guys feel that the fan base is clamoring and this will be a huge thing? Or do you think they're they're kind of a still a mid-tier band? I think band? people are excited about okay, it. Okay, I agree. I, I've seen some people like super stoked about it. Yeah, I think Mudvayne was one of those bands just like Slipknot. Like when Slipknot, Mudvayne, that new metal craze. Uh, I think they were one of the forefront bands on that. They well, were one with of the, the best. The makeup. Yes. Yeah. They were one of the best bands. Yeah. They came out with makeup and then they kind of backed off from that. But yeah, they all LD50, dude. It was, I remember hearing that just being completely blown away. Mm-hmm. And the other albums they put out, were good too i mean they got more radio friendly as they went but yeah i mean i think slim not i'm not yeah i think mudvayne's uh definitely a band that has fans that want to be there to watch them play i think radio friendly <laughs> was a did you get that out yeah god it was <laughs> was i having a stroke i don't I'm know like, like, was, you seem a little bit yeah. strokey i'm like i yeah. want sandwich put mouth tummy mudvayne <laughs> okay i like <laughs> <laughs> yeah mudvayne good play no, no, uh, we talked about, I remember when My Chemical Romance came back. I know you're don't a fan, Sylvia. Don't remind me because I was supposed to see them back in October and then fucking COVID. I don't even know if they rescheduled. I don't know anything uh, about the 2022. band. 2022, yeah. Okay, okay, my bad. So anyways, my, my point is, I'm like, are they that popular? And yes, oh, yeah. they are arena popular. Is Mudvayne on the same level? Oh, that's a stretch. Uh, that's a stretch, right? The only it thing, is. But at the same time, though, it's like I look at Mudvayne and My Chemical Romance and it's like, Again, when they were here with us, they were not an arena band. No, but you take them away for so long, yeah. and then That's you reintroduce them. I think the the they were playing like in House of Blues, like those kind of like. Yeah, they were. I am the chosen one. Yeah. Okay. We have my cat. I have a cat named Carl Tufflove, and he has been avoiding Sylvia for months now, months. and then finally he just. Rolled up on Sylvie without her knowing. Yeah. Made her lose her chain of thought. You were at Mudvayne was playing House of Blues no, out here. Uh, my Carl Chemical Romance. Oh, yeah. My Chemical Romance. Same, yeah. same with Mudvayne. They were like though. a smaller venue. Yeah. yeah. I'm so excited. Jeez. It's like, it's like C-A-D-D. <laughs> when a cat shows love, it's a big deal. Yeah, Most cats I'm are the like, chosen one. This means, you. Yeah. yeah. This is a good. It I'm a good human. You're a good human. That's right. That's right. Or... <laughs> What? I don't or know. a villain. Or a one villain. or the other. I mean, yeah. villains are always one stroking cats. You never see the good guy with the cat. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mr. So have fun uh, destroying the world. What was I what was his asshole? <laughs> what was the Austin Powers one? Mr. Uh, Mr. Bigglesworth. Mr. Bigglesworth. Yeah, oh, that's yes. the one. Anyway, so, hey, I, I'm glad that Mudvayne's back together. I do hope they do put out new music. Um, I, I thought their catalog all the way through was pretty solid. I do think that it was... I remember the last record, the self-titled one. I thought people didn't like it, but I remember listening to it and be like, eh. But you know what, though? I it's think, not bad. Uh, it wasn't bad to me. I, I know Chad is a guy who just wants to make music, mm-hmm. and I just can't see him not getting in the studio and not getting out there and writing songs. He just seems like a motivated guy. Oh, and, for sure. And I do feel like, uh, hell yeah, obviously, without Vinnie Paul. I know they haven't mentioned that the band's over, but I'm assuming that it's it's going to... We'll mean, see how it well, goes. Well, because who can replace you can't, Vinnie Paul? You can't. Because I think um, the, the the thing about hell yeah was Vinnie was Paul. Was Vinnie Paul. I agree. It's like so. you, had, you had one of the cornerstones of one of the probably the greatest metal band yeah, ever. Exactly. And it's like, yeah, I mean, we, we, I mean, we love Chad. Don't get me wrong. Love Chad. Love Christian. But it's like, oof. I mean, without Vinny, I mean, it's kind of a... Mm-hmm. I, 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 me, personally. I did buy the rat last record just because, you know, it was Vinny's last whatever recording. Didn't listen to it a lot. I'll be honest. I'm not a huge fan, but I did buy it. And uh, I was just like, yeah, I can't. I can't. You open it up, it's a big picture of any playing drums. Yeah, the, I mean, that, that, was the, like, that was the personality. I can't imagine a record without him on right. there. Yeah. So anyways... Moving on, guys. Next story. Uh, Weezer will release a metal album. Now, they released a single. Not metal at all. (laughs) (laughs) 
Weezer, though. Weezer. I, I mean, I don't know if you guys are fans of Weezer. I'm, I, I'm, Weezer. I have I'm no casual, problem. I got no fan. No yeah. problem with Weezer whatsoever. I respect Weezer. I, 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 I understand why they have a large fan base. Um, I have seen them live, and I do not think they're a good live band. Um, they sound fine, but they're very dull. Again, mm-hmm. I need a little bit of excitement. Yes. Uh, and all that. But these guys are coming metal, man. I know. And it's it's uh, the record's called Van Weezer and it's got the Van Halen type of logo. I think they and I just oh, saw metal like eighties metal? Yeah, it's oh. more like geared towards I think classical right. metal, you know. Well, I mean Van Halen's hard rock to me. I don't know. We put them in metal. Well, but I'm just saying, but when they first came out though, they were known as metal. But anyways, I think it's cute that they're like, that's the selling point. It's like, we're putting out a metal record in the song. Was it more just alternative? Well, it's not, I mean, he, he's, he's doing a little bit of guitar work that's like Van Halen-esque, you know? But it's, yeah, it's still alternative, still Weezer. It's still like borderline pop punk, I guess, in a way. Or indie rock from the 90s, you know? So I just thought it was adorable. Like, what, what band from the 90s alternative band would you want to hear a metal record from? Like a metal record. Oh man! Like in what era of metal though are we talking? ninety? Like like the Weezer era, the Weezer era. So like Pantera metal. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh man! I mean, would you go with Green Day can pull this off? You know what I'm no, saying? No, Green Day could definitely <laughs> they could not, not pull that shit not. off. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's it's a like, tough question. Why, why taking somebody out of a certain genre and sticking them in one? Like for example, Lejean Witherspoon from Seven Dust is planning on recording a country blues record. I think he'll I mean? nail it. He's got I, that I, voice. Yeah, I, yeah. Think, he I think he'll nail it. But I mean, it's kind of like it's just hard for me to picture him in that outfit. You know what I mean? Where it's kind of like <laughs> the style throws yeah, you off. Yeah, yeah. Wait a second. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. Like, ta- you got tassels? What are you doing? You know what I mean? But who said he's gonna wear tassels? I'm just, I'm just expecting that, him to come out with the Roy Rogers. Wow. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Brandon's <laughs> he's got a, a visual. Yeah, just rooting to Lashawn. You know what I mean? But I, uh, but yeah. I, but the thing is, though, is, even with Aaron Lewis, when they said he was gonna sing country, it's like I know he's a great country singer, and that, and honestly, I went to show one yeah, day. yeah. And honestly, the music that he's writing fits him. Yeah. I mean, it fits him right now in this point in his life. So I get it. I but it's just, it's hard for me to, to <laughs> picture somebody else to do it though. Yeah, so you can't you can't guess I can't do a it. '90s alternative band. I can't even think of one that's fun, man. I Jeff really Buckley. can't. Jeff, Jeff Buckley. Jeff Buckley. Wow. R.I.P. That's yeah. yeah was like, we had to go. We had to go dark. <laughs> yeah. Yikes! Yikes! <laughs> Elliot Smith. Let's not keep this yeah. going. Whoa. Let's, let's drop hey, this. Hey, <laughs> No, no, no. I was thinking about it, man. I got, I got a couple that I think could pull it off, dude. All I right. think Rancid could put out a fucking killer metal record. You know what? You know what? <laughs> well, just with the way they slap at that bass. I, I mean, think, bass, I think uh, Lars Fredrickson can play metal riffs all he day. He can't. And yeah. I think he does in his, and when yeah, he does his own music. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Lars plays a lot more metal than he leads Old on. Old From Casuals is like yeah. my favorite punk band. Yeah. He was on our show, if you guys haven't heard. He was on our Best of episode a right. couple years back. Uh, love Lars. Um, but yeah, I think they can put out a metal record, dude. I think they got that Motorhead right behind well, their Well, Tim Armstrong, too. Is, yeah. like, and then you look at Matt Freeman on Rancid, and you're like, who the fuck? Bass player, <laughs> like, dude. Yeah, right. you're a bass player in a punk band, and it's like you're just going all up and down the neck. Yeah. I mean, you're hearing stuff like this, that like somebody like Robert Trujillo, who I listen to and just go, oh my God, that guy thumps, especially when you hear him in infectious grooves. Like yeah. When you yeah. hear the stuff that he's capable of doing, you're like, oh yeah, this guy is just that same level. So mm-hmm. I definitely think Rancid could pull it off. What about Primus? Uh, I always thought they kind of were metal, weren't they? The, were, weren't they the kind of genre that was? They were always touring a, with metal could, bands, though. Oh yeah, they can tour with anybody because right. they're, they're primus. Fishbone. But, ooh, Fishbone, that's a good. One. Because they did cover Alice in Chains, uh, them bones. And yeah, it they was... can pull it off. They can pull it off, man. 
Fishbone yeah. solid. So there's a lot. But, but I also but not he, Weezer, right? But I also think though but honestly <laughs> though, like not. I also think that there were a lot of bands out there that did put out like metal songs that were just probably the hardest song on the record that if the whole album sounded like that hard song, they would be a metal band. Like the Chili Peppers have put out some really hard That's songs. That's a good one. I bet I bet John Frusciante, he's back Absolutely. in the band. He can totally do some metal riffs, dude. Mm-hmm. Chad Smith, he played on that last yeah, Aussie record. Yeah. And loved. Anthony can play the tambourine. Anthony Kiedis can not death growl. He That's cannot. For damn sure. He can't do. Uh, a lot. <laughs> he can run and sound out a breath, but that's gonna, about it. He can take off his shirt. As far as the musicianship, Flea, Jean Frusciante, and Chad Smith, they can do a rip roaring. Yes, I funk think they metal can. record. They can. Anthony Kiedis, me. But I'm just saying though, yeah. like you listen to some of those. His voice is very, uh, uh, it's very not, melodic. It's very, it's very melodic. It's not too. Uh, uh, it's yeah, all right. It's yeah. all right. No, you don't like um, it. I mean, it hasn't been good for years. It's like it's all studio. No, it's magic. fine. I, oh, oh, studio magic. When He's I hear him live. play live, when I hear him play live, I'm like, bro, holy Jesus! I, I disagree with Brandon. This is why because when I hear him play live, and I've seen them live many times, the reason he's out of breath is he doesn't stop running and going crazy. Yeah, on because stage. he's always like going back and forth. Yeah, right? yeah. And, and, dude, I'm sorry, but that energy that he he puts, it puts that affects there, yeah. his voice is great. Well, now when I Let's watch it on Danzig. TV, though, but when I watch it on TV, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, you didn't oh. do a lot of running around, and I'm like, holy god, you ha- that so that, so your argument is out the door. Well, he always sounds good on Under the Bridge. He's yeah. not running around. <laughs> He's always sounding good on the album. No, he sounds good live. Anyways. They could put out a good metal record. So yes. there is bands out there. But that's what I'm saying. It's like there are bands out there that have put out good metal songs. Now what? Ready? Ready? I'm going to flip it on you guys. What metal band could put out a good pop punk record? Metallica. They already did it. <laughs> no, they didn't. <laughs> I mean, they could if they wanted. Ready? Hatebreed. <laughs> I could see them putting out a no effects album like that. Oh, and killing no. It. I, not with no that way. Oh, no, I, I mean, think... I love Jamie, but not, not with that. I Ready? just can't see. Trivium. Okay, yes. Yes? Yeah. You can see Trivium Yeah, I see it? like the higher pitch singers, the hum, 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 hum. Like those guys can do it. Ready? The hum, yeah. Hum, hum, yeah, yeah, yeah. They could do the chemical romance bullshit, of course. Lamb of God. No. <laughs> All right, that's a big That's no a on stretch. Me too. That's a stretch. I can't. I, but that's the thing, though. I mean, it's like Lamb of God, they kind of remind me of ACDC, where it's like they have their sound. Yeah. They're and not they moving. stick to it mm-hmm. and they know it. And the thing is, is they've still managed to make their albums sound different from the next. So, uh, and ACDC still, it's still the same formula. How do you, how is this album still sounding different from the next? I don't know. They did it. They, they still use the same three chords, but they still made a completely <laughs> different good. sounding oh, amazing, record than yeah. the us, but it still sounds like ACDC. And the most obvious one to me, yeah. the most obvious, they are masked as a pop punk band to me. Kill Switch Engage. Yeah. yeah, all day, man. Yeah, all yeah. day. They yeah. can change it and easily and easily write some hits, dude. <laughs> easily write some of those simple plan hits from the nineties. Well, <laughs> but as I'm saying, like in the nineties, there was or two thousands, whatever. Was such a co- good Charlotte hits, dude. Yeah, like in the nineties, there off. was always like there was rock and roll, there was alternative, and then there was metal. But they all kind of toured together. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So it's like. So that's why when you're asking the question, I'm like, well, I'm not, I want to, yeah, is this pop band a metal band? I'm like, well, are they metal to begin with? I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. You guys got some, send it on in, rise to offend at gmail.com. Uh, we'll, we'll bounce you back on that and let you know what we think. But Weezer, mm, I'm glad they're doing it. It looks like they're doing a kind of a tribute to Van Halen. I, like I said, I got nothing but respect for Weezer. They're- Maybe they shouldn't have branded it as... A, me- metal. a metal band, eh? You know, maybe their fans will be like, "Whoa, this is heavy," and it'll be a oh, gateway. Sure. See, it'll, it'll lead bands to, to it'll lead bands to be like, "I like heavy music," and they'll jump right on that five finger death. I guess train. that's the thing. I'm gonna, <laughs> I, I, I don't like it when bands tell me how their album's gonna sound. I don't like that. I don't like it either. Just, just let me hear it. Yeah. 
you know, you, okay, but you got to sell it. About, exactly. You the worst part it. about it is always you got to be like, you got to, so, so, uh, hey, so what, what, tell me about your new album coming out. If you change the sound and you're doing interviews or you got to, you got to be like, well, this is where we're going for. I think that's fair. Because okay. So mock interview. Tell, yes, me, tell mock. me about your new interview. I mean, uh, tell me about your new, uh, your new album coming out here in, well, in June. You know, we've been, we've been heavy. We've been crazy hard for years, but we're gonna, we really got influenced by pop punk this time. Yeah. Man. It was like a nonstop listening of the bad religion during the new America age. Uh-huh. You know, a lot of that Rico case. Cars, and great! Like, I can pull this shit dude, off, dude. How big's your dick? My dick is seventeen inches, dude. See, that's how you that's how, that's how you conduct a rock interview, right there. I don't know why I've he been okay doing it wrong then. Yes, no, no. no he, what, I'm going for clicks. What he did? <laughs> clits. I'm clits. Yeah, I'm going for clicks, <laughs> <laughs> not clits. <Sorry. laughs> Anyways, moving on. Jesus, that was fun. No, yeah, just fun. going for several clits. <laughs> Guys, what? Nothing. Nothing. I think I think it's okay to go for clits. Hey, <laughs> I mean if that's what you're going for. I mean, hey, that's why I got into comedy. Yeah, that's no, it's not. <laughs> that's exactly why. Did it work? I want. Yes, I got a wife out of the deal, so it's working. <laughs> 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 I bet there's a lot of rock bands that be like, that's why I got into music. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, you you know you you know you really don't have a whole lot to offer. Every, look at this face. I blend in so easily. I got to do something to stand out. That's why performers get up on stage, and then when the opposite sex or same sex, whatever you're into, comes throwing it your way, you feel good. Mm-hmm. I can guarantee you. That's why Weezer got into music. Yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. You think Weezer was slaying puss until he, they saw him? Almost not a bad looking guy. Okay. Yeah. I mean, take the guitar. Out of his hand, and now put a paper hat, and yeah. you know, and make, say he's working in and out now. And if see, Spike you know, Jones is your guy, yeah, he looks, yeah, he's perfect, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 If you just like, if you ladies, if you like a guy, yeah. you could beat the fuck out of. I mean, he he is he is the guy you walk past in every cubicle ever. Yeah, but with a guitar. But with a guitar, not, man. you're sitting on he his lap in that yeah. cubicle. With, with, with an album like Pinkerton, he doesn't even have to talk anymore. Girls are like, I'm here. What's exactly. Up? Yes. <laughs> this is What's this up? is simple. I like it. Yes. <laughs> Girls always have a lisp, apparently. <laughs> How did yeah. we go there? I don't know. I don't know. This is Doesn't what happens when you don't talk about metal on a metal podcast. <laughs> yeah, you, you stray <laughs> the path, stray off the path. Anyway. Last story we want to talk about. Guys, before my interview with Steve Von Till, guys, of Neurosis, of course, is that D. Snyder, you know, legend of hard rock, metal, if you want to call Yeah, put out metal record just a couple years ago, recorded a new one, love Excellent. It. See, he He's put out dude. an excellent metal oh, record. Oh, he did, yeah. See, yeah. when somebody puts that, when you said like Weezer was going to do that, is it going to be D. Snyder level? Oh, because dude, that's no. what I want to know. I, I don't know. I'm not going to buy the Weezer record, but D. Snyder putting out a metal record makes total sense. That's what I was going for. Like, what guy that's not exactly in the genre can just slay it? D. Snyder slayed it, but obviously, you know, Jamie Josta writing metal songs is that guy can, that guy knows every way to write a metal song, whether it be death metal, except for probably black metal, every other thing. He can write hardcore, of course, rock. So that's he, he teamed up with the right dude. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was great. Um, but anyways, respectable. Everybody loves D. Snyder, dude. His comments are good. He's a, he's a great vision of our scene. He fought in the 80s and all that shit. John Schaefer of Iced Earth, for everybody that doesn't know. Um, yeah, yeah. He was, he was at the Capitol. Bear spraying people entering the Capitol. Well, he made a, he made a plea deal. So in essence, he's ratting on members of whatever in the world, Oathbreakers or whatever nonsense he can give the the cops. I don't know. Um, Oathbreakers. Uh, yeah, he, whatever oh he can do. No. I don't know. I know. I, these names. But the plea deal uh, does get him a much, much reduced sentence. And D. Snyder has called him a piece of shit. Okay, sure. accurate. Huh? And a rat. rat. <laughs> so accurate. That's and funny. an embarrassment to heavy metal. And America. Ah, yes. 
Yeah. So it's not just an embarrassment to heavy metal. It's an embarrassment to people. Again, it's just sad watching. We just like to report on things that they don't even know. And guys like that, John, guys like John Schaefer, who just have an agenda in their head, no matter what you put in front of them, he's just always going to focus on that agenda. Well, Mm -hmm. now he ended up realizing the hard way. And I don't know what, I don't know who he's ratting on. That That's the dude. I, well, again, we don't know the details. This is just, you know, media fodder. We could be wrong, but that's what's been reported. He's got a plea deal. So he's got to be doing something, giving the government something to lessen his time. They're saying he's going to get between three and five years. So in essence, uh, unless he just goes away. Oh, it said something about witness protection too. So he might go away, but uh, uh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. He's that's, ratting people out. Ugh. Yeah, this, this is and, witness, serious. and he's also the guitar player in a famous heavy metal band. Yeah. Like how you're putting like other people in danger too. Yeah, right? yeah, no. But what I'm saying is, if you're in the witness protection program, it's like people are going to know who you are regardless. Yeah. Like, uh, wait a minute, that guy. They gave him a mustache. But who? Yeah, who, that guy cutting his lawn in the middle of uh, you know Kansas looks surprisingly like my favorite metal band's guitar player. Is he ratting on like some sort of mafioso? Type That's what of I'm saying, deal? dude. Like, or is he ratting out it. some other dumb motherfuckers in a militia? It's like we don't know. Interesting. You know? Interesting. Yeah. Anyways, but regardless, we uh, do you think D. Snyder's out of line for calling I think him a D. piece Snyder of shit? I think D. is a, a patriot. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Sylvia? About what? About oh, him calling. Sorry, I was out. looking at the cat. Calling him. <laughs> Damn you. Sorry. Carl Tuflove. We got a show we're recording sorry. here. Yeah, fucker. Sorry. Anyways, um, no, you're fine. Piece of shit, rat, and an embarrassment's metal. All of it. All of it. I agree too. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> asshole. You were bear spraying people going in there. Yeah. Fuck you, Schaefer. Oh, yeah. Fuck you forever. Oh, <laughs> God, I hope you get pounded. You like mean in the, in the butt? In the bottom. Oh, he means raped. Yes. No, yeah. no well, I don't wish rape on anybody. You know what? Oh, you're a better person than me. You're right. Okay, let me retract that statement. I hope you lose your freedom for four to five years and you sit in a cell and you think about it and you come out a better person, not a worse person. And I hope you take ownership of what you really, really did not just no. rat on fucking people. And I hope That's you, all I got. I hope you grow out a beard so people don't recognize you when you get flung into the witness protection program. He has think... a beard, bro. Okay, then shave your beard. <laughs> Do you think he would go back into the band and try to like make music again? Well, that's the last question I had before we get to our interview. Oh. This dude's obviously like, yeah, I'm glad you brought it up, Sylvia. This dude's obviously got uh, you know, some issues mentally, and there's a lot of issues going on that he probably has the ego to be like, it's cool, I'm ratting on these people, and he will try to revamp iced earth yes or not and the it witness will work. okay and do you think it will work if he revamps iced i earth? think yes. there's enough cousin fuckers out there that will be like iced earth they're speaking america's voice and i think he will do it and uh, i think and i think I, and again i just think that i don't know what cousin fuckers means exactly it, that, means, uh-huh. it means someone uh-huh. who fucks their cousin i got that part. okay but you think there's enough out there to keep a band in America yes. alive? Yes. Wow. I don't know. Yeah, about that. There is there is way too many people. Does America out there. have an incest problem? Yes. Okay. It's okay. called QAnon. My thing is is what, I don't I don't understand. <laughs> I just don't understand. We live in such a counterculture. Okay. Yes. And the more that we keep saying how much of, we should do the same thing we did with that one band where the lead singer that we're not going to mention his name. Try oh. to have his wife killed. Yeah, not talk about everybody yeah. knows. Yeah. Yeah. And we should do the same thing with this sack of shit because all this is doing okay. is, is is firing up the the Done. other the other ones that are just waiting to jump in. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean that's all this was. Done. We will not talk about Iced Earth ever again on this program. Like or it. John Schaefer. We we don't support him and we don't think it's good for metal. So us as a program, 
We hey, won't. And look, done. And, and this by isn't. Felicia. And this isn't necessarily by Felicia. By Felicia. This has nothing the to do. First by Felicia we've gotten on the show. Yeah. Good job, Sylvia. This has nothing <laughs> to do with his political ideology. It has something to do with his actions that he did, and he took to a level that did not need to go. All right, I start. This Violence way. happened. Somebody died as a result of this cousin fucking sack of garbage. Have fun in prison. All right. So that, he's, he's been banned from our show. Ooh, Ooh. take it. But anyways, we'll see. <laughs> I, I personally feel he will Here's the thing, revamp though. the ban. And just, he says he's not going to take it, but he's going to take it. Oh, he's going to take that dick. He's going to take that dick. We're not going to take it. goes back to the D. Snyder. I don't think anybody caught that bridge. but Oh, that was, yeah, you're, yeah. you were going back to I was going, we're not going to take it. And then I and was then like, you're like, yeah, he's hey, going to take it. But wait a minute, it. he's going to take it. He's going to take yeah, it. Yeah, look, I tried to save the joke and it just it's made fine. it worse. Sylvia, let's just move Anymore. on. Anymore. Please move on. Anymore. Yeah. Anymore. Anymore. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Asshole. All right. That's all, that's all <laughs> of our... What do you want to do with your life? That's all I want to rap. It's all of our shenanigans we can give you guys uh, <laughs> before we jump into the interview. Great interview, guys. Like I said, we talk about the art, everything. It's a, it's a fantastic chat. Let's jump into it right now. Me and Steve Von Till from Neurosis. Everybody, what's going on? On the phone, I have Steve Von Till from Neurosis, but we are here to celebrate his new solo record, A Deep Voiceless Wilderness, which is coming out April 30th, and also Harvest Man 23 Untitled Poems, which is going to be a spoken word performance um, that we will talk about as well, based on the book that you released about a year ago. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. How, how's it going? It's going well, my man. It's going well. Like I said, I wanted to kind of talk about all the solo records you've been doing now, because it's been a 20-year journey for you on the uh, on the personal record side. So uh, let's go to the very first one that you've recorded, just in case fans are unaware and let's start at that journey at why you felt at that time maybe it was it was time to start the the solo career and we're talking about as the crow flies back in uh, 2000 as a matter of fact yeah um you know it's funny there's a lot of common threads that are still running through um the process and i i didn't ever intentionally set out to make um that first solo record i didn't um, make a conscious decision to start a solo project. Um, <clears throat> I've always had home studio stuff. Back e- even in high school, I had cassette four tracks and uh, always liked experimenting at home, And uh, whether it was just the corner of a bedroom or blossoming, blossoming into my home studio I'm sitting in now with uh, too much gear and too little time. Um, what had happened was I, I had realized um, at one point in probably 98, 99, that I had amassed uh, a group of songs that didn't have any other home. It was clearly not the seeds for Neurosis songs. It was clearly not uh, Tribes of Neurot kind of experimental material. Um, and it was leaning more towards um, an acoustic folk-based, um, my own kind of interpretation of folk music, um, very personal songs. These were songs that I was recording uh, often late late at night into the morning, 3, 4 o'clock, you know, when I still lived in cities, and the cities were noisy until about that time. That was the only time I could be quiet enough to 
kind of whisper a song along to an acoustic guitar and and record it um and it was also a very introspective time of night and um so once i realized i had this group of songs you know i i think kind of the art at some point demands something from the artist and it demands that um since it presented itself to you that you have the duty to then present itself to the world uh, regardless of whether you feel worthy or not and and uh so i agonized over it probably a bit you know wondering should i come up with a band name should i start a new project what is this and then i finally just gave in to the overwhelming kind of vibe that no this is this is my own music under my own name and and uh, putting out that first record really started started the journey i i sat and i i just kind of finished those ones out you know mixed mixed the ones that were done finished recording the ones that weren't and um and that started me on the journey that i continue on now of of this process which still remains largely accidental <laughs> that do but that's that's the beauty because it's it's almost like a there's no it seems like there's no time there's no deadline for kind of the music that you're creating um with your namesake on it and things like that now do you ever put a deadline on yourself or you're like it's just when it's ready it's ready and i'm going to create and then compile i i don't really give myself date deadlines but um when a group of material kind of reveals itself um and i can see it as a cohesive record then i kind of put my nose to the grindstone and and finish it whether i release it right away or not is something entirely different and has different considerations but but i'll usually once i can see it i'll usually buckle down and get it done because i feel like if i get something kind of uh even if some of the tracks origins are a decade apart um I feel if I sit and work and finish them all in the same period of time that they have uh, uh, more cohesiveness. They they mm. feel like they belong together more. Yes, absolutely. It gives you that, um, it's, it's almost like that cinematic appeal. Like it's almost like piecing together a film soundtrack and stuff like that when I think the same vibe is going. And, and that it comes through, and it's hard to label as you mentioned like i've seen folk americana ambient you know labels to your solo stuff but i think it, it does feel and appeal very much to like the neurosis fans you know um just with like a little layer stripped back you know and um the second record that you've done in 2002 if i should fall to the field um tell me why um you felt after as the crow flies you're like i need to continue this journey why did you feel the second record was a as, as an important thing to put out a few years later well it just kind of opened the door mm. you know once once i had once i admitted to myself that i had this project um it uh it made it clear that i could rely on that as another form of self-expression you know like i think once you're bitten by the kind of creative bug and you feel driven um you know there's uh, there's never a lack of ideas or, or drive, only a lack of time and resources, you know, and mm -hmm. resource being the most precious and non-renewable resource, actually. Um, <clears throat> and so, but by that time, 
I had more focus because that by that point I knew I had a project. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so um, it was easier for me to kind of sink into it and go, okay, uh, now I'm writing songs for the next, for the next album, you know? And, um, and that next group of songs, I think, um, all came together pretty cohesively in a pretty short period of time and was all kind of inspired, uh, with some of the same wonderings and same longings and same, uh, ghosts and visions, I suppose. Absolutely, man. So going forward, though, the next record out of the solo stuff, that if we can name it, we do switch over to the Harvest Man uh, project, which in essence is still a solo project, but yet you did put a different title on there. Tell us about why at, at that point you felt that we should re, um, not have it under your monk ear and kind of go to Harvest Man. The record we're talking about is Lashing the Rye. Yeah, kind of. I, you know, same story as the first solo record. Mm. It was, I had amassed a bunch of material that seemed <clears throat> cohesive as its own thing, but it didn't belong. Yeah, I always felt the stuff under my own name was uh, songs. Mm. You know, these were, I, I was, I was experimenting with writing actual songs with, with lyrics and, and verses and, rarely a chorus, maybe a chorus once in a while. Um, but you know, my, my own kind of attempt at song craft, you know, uh, in the tradition of the Appalachian folk songs, the Irish folk songs, the English folk songs, and, and, uh, you know, and as they morphed and changed on their movement West and their migrations West and how they inspired me, I've, I've never been a traditional player. I don't have those kind of chops or skills, but I'm definitely informed by it, you know, um, and so when I sat and looked at this Harvest Man material, I'm like, okay, here's this stuff that does also have a leaning and an appreciation for traditional folk music and folk instruments, but it's abstract psychedelia. There's no, there's no structure. It's, it's, uh, more experimental. It's more, um, it actually has more to do with my love for dub music and the idea of not not taking reggae stylings but using the studio as an instrument. And it doesn't really matter what the tracks are that went down. It's what you sculpt it into after the fact that uh, gives it uh, framework and purpose and flow. And um, so really it was just a lot of really diving deep into the studio and into processing and filtering into really... Uh, Everything I love about lo-fi home recorded psychedelia mixed with, um, again, my love for electronics, my love for fuzz pedals, my love for delays, phasers, filters, and uh, somehow morphing. Like, to me, it makes perfect sense that Harvest Men is a, is a kind of an amalgamation of all the other things I can't express in the other pro- projects. Like, my love for what I just described, the home recording, the rural psychedelia, the, my love for ancient, uh, stone monuments throughout Europe and, and ancient, um, you know, stone age culture, um, pre-Christian religions, ancient folk music, somehow filtering it through electric guitar and fuzz pedals, (laughs) you know, like all I can say is it makes sense in my mind. uh, Um, 
and it crystallizes itself as Harvest Man, which again morphs and takes different shapes. But it's it's you know that's my love for studio uh, experimentation, really. Dude, nice, yeah. See, that's that's the crazy part is that like um, when you have the equipment and the solitude, is that necessary? This solitude and kind of not having any noise or anything around for creating kind of when it comes to the more solo projects. Yeah, I've got a, I got to carve out, I've got to carve out time for myself and, and get myself out into the cave. Mm. And, uh, you know, harvest man is like really just turn the studio on without a purpose and see what happens. Absolute. Nice. Nice. So next we're moving into a grave is a grim horse. 2008, you released it under your, uh, name, Steve until now at this point, it seems like the project has grown in, uh, in expanding, um, different sounds and different styles into your solo project. Tell us about the difference between the previous solo record to where we got here. Well, I think I was finding a little bit, uh, more of a voice at that point. I also, um, on that record, I wanted to give nod to a lot of influences, you know, a lot of songs that I, I wish, uh, great songs that, that I wish I could write songs that well, you know, like, uh, Nick Drake's close of sand and, um, willow tree promises, um, Spider song, Towns Van Zant, Lyle Lovett song, you know, just these songs that were really great that I could hear myself sinking into, you know, and and wanting to own a little piece of it. And um, as well as stuff that was kind of informing what I was writing at that time, you know, uh, again, kind of branching out a little bit, you know, bringing some a few more electric guitars in. Um, getting. Uh, some of the additional instruments, you know, a little bit more of forefront, you know, with the fiddle and the pedal steel and get finding some great players to add, uh, what I could only imagine, but aren't capable of playing, you know, myself. Mm. And so, um, I think on that one too, I also probably was experimenting with a little bit more of a, of a story, storytelling in my songwriting. I, I don't, do that explicitly and i don't think it's necessarily my strength but um i see myself at that point going a little deeper that direction nice yeah following following that one there was two uh two more releases from the harvest man uh in a dark tongue in 2009 and then trinity in 2010 both records seem like were they recorded in a similar time frame, or were they kind of like sister brother type of records, or did you feel they were standalone completely? There's a little bit of an overlap. Trinity mm. was um, actually a soundtrack I was commissioned to do for uh, a psychological thriller horror movie in Italy. Mm. I, I, I uh, read about this. Okay, called called H Two Odio, and actually I just moved I just moved here to Northern Idaho and. I got the call and, and the guy, uh, you know, it was a DIY budget thing, but it was enough money for me to buy the lumber, uh, um, to build my studio space out in our barn, um, so that I would have a cave in the middle of winter to, to write this. And, um, 
and uh, so it was kind of in the middle of redoing my studio, and um, and yeah, they, um, you know, again with Harvest Man, like, like even with some of my newer newer Harvest Man stuff, I'm recording some of the stuff sits around for. 10, 15 years, and I don't touch it, and I don't know what it is, and I open up a random file, and uh, it becomes something new, and I reapproach it, maybe throw a few new instruments on some old sound, and then, it, again, it all comes down to kind of the mix time, mm. you know, like the the cohesiveness comes in, and with the the kind of mix setup and, and mixing it in a similar frame of mind and through the same gear and, um, and that stuff. But some of the, some of the ideas were, let's see, that came out 2009. Yeah. Some of those ideas were probably nine, 10 years old, you know, and some, some were brand new. Some were done probably right as I was mixing it, you know, it, it was really a, a mix, but again, it's the kind of, the meditation on these simple folk themes and um, some nods to Celtic folklore and ancient, ancient, uh, ancient ideas, animistic ideas, uh, as you can tell by the cover, um, and uh, really just kind of putting it through my uh, psychedelic guitar filter, you know, like plug in the synthesizers, plug in the fuzz pedals, meditate on these themes that are important to me and, um, and, uh, channel them in some sort of sonic way that, that, that sounds good to me and it makes some sort of sense. Not nice. Yeah, absolutely, man. And that's such a great creative process and style. And I, the, the, like I said, the solitude and then the ear that you use to just make it. When do you know when to say when to a song when it kind of has that approach? When you do revisit, like I said, a file from 10 years and you kind of let it re-motivate you. When do you know, all right, it's time instead of like putting it back on the file? Hmm. Good question. I'm not sure I can put it to words. I yes. think it's a real, it's Just a real a gut level, gut level instinct. Yeah. yeah, yeah, nice. No, I completely get it. Completely understand that. So, and now we're gonna move up uh, into kind of more of the modern uh, records, if we may. A life unto itself. Um, this was the first solo record that I got myself before I went back. And it, it stands as one of my favorites just because it's probably my first um, one that I got from you. But tell me about this one and uh, writing it and the period of life that you were in when you were recording this record. Hmm. Uh, definitely. I'd, I'd been up here for a while, living hmm. in the forest for, uh, for a bit. And these songs were... Um, they all came pretty quick uh probably hmm, i think the first of them came in 2010 2011 um and it was written quite a bit before i got it recorded and released it just took a while to get things organized but um you know i'd been through a bunch of life changes and um had really channeled this kind of uh, these 
ex- trials and tribulations that led to kind of personal rev- revelations and uh, I mean really what music has always been confronting what's uncomfortable and choosing to use music to help it become uh, a source of growth and a source of um, turning the negatives into positives yes. you know mm-hmm. like like really choosing to turn uh things into inspiration you know um you're probably the same i mean Mm. uh, we're music fans right yeah and music saves me all the time best friend it's my best friend (laughs) yeah yeah whenever whenever the shit's going on whether it's real imagined internal external some music I know is going to pull me out or lift me up or help me get through, mm-hmm. you know, or give me the strength to get to the other side. You know, there's always a soundtrack. Um, there's always the things you can rely on, you know, and, uh, and making music and putting a guitar in my hand is one of the ways I feel most at peace in the world, you know? And, uh, these songs are, are songs of, of sadness, longing, beauty, hope, um, the promise of a, of a future, uh, the reflection of the past and, and actually that life unto itself record is really kind of a looking back on everything I had experienced up to that point, looking upon it with gratitude, looking, um, for all the, the bountiful things I'd been able to experience in my life, uh, coming to peace with the things that were uncomfortable or difficult. And, um, I really didn't know what the record was about. I just, I don't preconceive what my lyrics are going to be about. I don't have um, concepts I chase because whenever I chase a cerebral concept, it always sucks. It's only when I go gut level mm. and and let it flow naturally that I, I come across something that to me feels more compelling. Um, and I think, you know, that's where it feels like I'm almost channeling something that's just out there like the weather and I, you know, if I put the antenna out and have faith that it will flow, then it does. You know, if I try to force it, sometimes I end up beating my head against the wall and, and thinking it's all bullshit. Um, so I really didn't know what this was about. I had gone to Seattle, recorded this with Randall Dunn. Um, in a vast studios, put down the basic tracks in a weekend, headed home. Um, because we couldn't, I didn't have the time to mix it. I had to get home and get back to work. Um, and I was listening to the basic tracks on the way home and I, I, it really, it brought me to tears. I, 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 at that point I realized after the fact that it was about my whole life to that point, it was like a deep reflection and kind of therapeutic, um, deep dive into myself. It comes off very genuine too. Like as a listener, it, 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 that's the record that I always go back to. So it's the record that I always, I'm in the mood for and all those things. Again, it was the first solo one that I picked up before going back in the catalog. Um, so I know that might be like the introductory record might stick with you a little more. But sure. I, I think it's definitely it's gold, man. You know, so that's why I was very. That's why I'm very adamant on promoting the solo stuff on this episode. I'm like, that's all I want to talk about because I've I've spent so much time with it, and it's been 
such a great journey. And I, all the Neurosis fans out there that are listening, I, in case you guys haven't yet, I want you guys to make sure you do take the time to do that. Now, as we're running into the, the latest record that we are here to promote, guys, um, we got one more uh, record we do want to talk about from the Harvest Man Project that came out in 2017, Music for Megaliths. And uh, tell us about that project before we jump into the new ones. Well, let's see. So that one... Um, some of that stuff had been developing for quite a while as well. I, I, I'd, uh, I had done a few shows several years before I put that out in the UK and in Europe and had uh, kind of put together a set that was a combination of Harvest Man material and solo material. Um, and some of these were the Harvest Man pieces that I was kind of improvising, uh, between the actual songs of my stuff under my own name. And um, so some of the tracks like Sundown and White Horse came from, came from that. And other ones, again, they were, they were just things that were sitting around a while and um, that I opened up again and finished. Uh, some were much more synth-oriented, a lot less guitar um, I, sometimes it's the gear, mm. you know, that inspires stuff. You know, I'd gotten some new toys and turn them on and see what happens. And, uh, if a happy accident shows up, I put it down, you know, and save it and don't always know what it is. And I think several pieces like, uh, Oak drone definitely came from that type of idea. And, um, and others kind of were more. I don't know. There was a couple strange ones that had almost a little like kind of psych rock angle on there, you know, it's like with some drum machine in the background or or whatnot. But uh, again, it's it's the similar processes, different time, you know, mm-hmm. turning on the electronics, following the rabbit hole, seeing where it goes. Absolutely, man. And that brings us up to 2020. And all the work that you've been putting out this year. First thing that I do want to touch on is the book is the book of uh, untitled poems and collected lyrics is called Harvest Man. Uh, Twenty three untitled poems and collected lyrics that came out last year, and it was it's a uh, published and available now. So tell us about the book before we get into the records and the reading of these poems. <clears throat> so a little bit of overlap with uh, with the book. And uh, the record "No Wilderness Deep Enough" that came out the same day, mm-hmm. same time or same day. Um, and um, so it's hard to tell one story without the other. So I'm going to kind of merge them together. Um, I had I've been writing poetry my entire adult life. I've just never done it with the intention of publishing it. And most of the time, it's probably just crap that's sitting in my personal journals that isn't worth anybody looking at. And um, a lot of it over the years has been kind of just the raw material or the ore, which I would go mining in uh, when needing lyrics. Um, You know, I need a line, I need a phrase, or I need something with a... Uh, a certain vowel sound to hang on or something with a certain number of syllables or a certain cadence or a certain attitude, you know, and so I'll I'll go and I'll strip 
some of the best lines out of the po out of the poems to serve as lyrics. Um, uh, but I I I do sit and I write, and sometimes I sit and and finish a poem for its own sake. Again, with never any sort of audience or public viewing in mind. Now, when I was um, when I first made No Wilderness Deep Enough, I thought I had made an ambient album. I I didn't set out to intentionally make it. There's not a guitar anywhere near this thing. Um, I was at my wife's parents' house in Germany, um, where her family has been on the same exact house site for over 500 years, which as Americans... It's hard for us to even understand what that means because we're from the migrations. We're the people that kept moving. And even for Europeans, there's very few families that have been on the exact same exact same piece of land for that long. Um, so I was kind of sitting there on a spring break with a horrible case of jet lag, staring out in her childhood bedroom window with a simple electronic music setup, couldn't sleep. And I just started messing around on these very simple piano chord progressions started flowing out and over that course of that week I'd started overdubbing some Mellotron bits and some simple horn sounds you know just with the keyboards and um, I didn't know what it was I didn't think I was doing anything except not sleeping you know it was like better than watching television um, and uh, in hindsight I believe I was in my again through my own musical filters and my own kind of sense of harmony and, and relationship of sound, I, I I think I was really tuned into the spirit of the familial ghosts, the spirits, the the difference of the land there compared to here. I mean, I'm in, I'm in the you know mount, mountainous area of Idaho where people have only been putting their footprints here, unless you're a native person, which they were very light and respectful footprints uh, for a short period of time. You know, whereas that land in Europe has been cultivated for so long, mm. you know, it's a different type of soil. It's a different type of the trees are there that are on purpose, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, the ones the ones around here just sprout, you know, sprouted up uh, naturally after the last, you know, glacial flood. Um, and so really just kind of tripping on that, like. Like, what's it like for this one one family's line to be connected to that place and and watching the kind of dawn light come over and thinking how many generations watch that same view from this same spot, you know, and and um, and so I, I just, you know, again, that wasn't like a real concept. It was just kind of emotionally feeling these things. And, and I brought that home to my home studio started embellishing it again not knowing I was doing anything I didn't know what it was finally it, it took a very clear shape and I thought I was basically done but it wasn't I didn't feel like I needed to grab the guitar or the fuzz boxes um, you know I'd put some synthesizers on and after listening to it I said man I think I just created my first truly ambient record it, it kind of channels what I love about Brian Eno or some of the Icelandic minimalist uh, neoclassical composers or um, and reminded me of some of that stuff not that I'm you know am, uh, a composer or even know how to speak music but um, 
but you know, maybe listening to those my entire adult life kind of has informed, you know, a certain melodic sensibility with some things. And, and, uh, so I contacted Randall cause I, I wanted to replace the digital piano with a, a nice real piano. I wanted to maybe get a cello player to embellish my Mellotron string parts and maybe get a French horn player to replace the, uh, keyboard French horns I put in there. And so I asked him what he thought about that. And he said, yeah, it's, it's a great idea, man, but uh, you shouldn't be such a wimp. You should put vocals on this and make it your next bo- your solo record. And I w- totally disagreed. I thought that was a bad idea to put my harsh croak on top of this beautiful music. And um, it really was against it. But I, I respect Randall enough to investigate his claim. And uh, turned by this time it was winter break, and my wife had gone back to Germany. I was home alone in the house with the dogs. I didn't feel like going out in the studio, leaving them them alone. So I, I put a condenser mic up in our living room, and every morning on that break with my cup of coffee, I walked up, played a track, and improvised vocals. And by the end of that week, I had to call him and tell him he was absolutely right, and I had the words done. Good and uh, good call, Randall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> think you know I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that people take turns being the voice of the muse oh, you know yeah and uh you know in 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 a, in a group like neurosis that's definitely you know whoever's speaking the loudest and feeling it the most they are they're the ones speaking for the muse the thing that's greater than ourselves and and randall was the one in that moment and um, i'm grateful for that and so in writing those lyrics on such short notice I was doing exactly what I just described. I was going through my journals of poetry and butchering them and stealing all the best lines. Again, I'd had no plans to release the poetry, but there was one poem in particular uh, that I believe is the first poem of the book. And it's all, uh, I stole the line for a song, uh, we have the sea and we'll always have the sky. And I felt super guilty stealing that line for the song because I thought that that poem, even though I had no plans to publish it or anything, I felt it was perfect. I felt it, it was a, it was a good poem and now it's dead because I stole that line. And I went back around that same time and I said, you know what, maybe I should let it live its own life as a poem. In fact, maybe I should be writing with the intent of letting the poems live their own life. You know, perhaps I do have my own voice in my own way with words that is legitimate. And I don't have to be, a, uh, have a degree in poetry to, um, to throw it out in the world that, you know, if I, if I enjoy reading it and I like the way it sounds when I read it out loud, uh, as much as I've always suffered from self-doubt and, and not feeling like I'm good enough at anything, um, uh, punk rock gave me the courage to, well, it doesn't matter. I, I'm throwing it out there anyway. It's my self-expression. You know, it doesn't have to be the best. I just have to mean it. And um, so I sat and I wrote, and really quickly those 23 poems came within couple months and um i sat and edited them and i i just kind of noticed well they don't have titles i didn't title any of them Mm -hmm. 
Um, they all seem to be related, at least enough. Um, maybe I should put it out there. And I thought maybe I would mm, put it out as a chat book or, you know, go to Kinko's and photocopy it and make a nice cover and staple it together and sell it on the website or something. But in kind of looking into what it would take to print them, I was talking to a, a friend of mine uh, who is a publisher at the um, University of South Dakota with Astrophil Press, Duncan Barlow, and and just to get hints about actually the physical printing of books. I, you know, I I I oversee Neurot Recordings here from uh, the room just to the right of me here, the office out in the barn, and uh, so I've made a lot of records and CDs, but I've never manufactured a book. And in that process, it just kind of grew into, well, maybe I should make it something really nice, something hardback, something you want to have on your bookshelf, something with some beautiful artwork. And I reached out to Matzat from Mexico City, who, uh, my friend Thomas Hooper, a great artist uh, and tattooer, um, uh, turned me on to his lino cut art. And uh, we had many great conversations that just seemed to really connect and, and be meaningful about life and, and uh a real deep connection there and the whole thing just fell into place and Duncan all at the same time said why don't you just let me publish it you know this is good this is worth being out there and I you know I'm a small publisher but it, it'll you know then might get in some shops or some people that are not just neurosis fans might be into your poetry just for poetry's sake and uh, to kind of give it the context of the inspiration of that I was butchering the poems to make lyrics, I decided to just include the lyrics of the past 20 years um, as kind of a reference point, you know, um, of, of my similar expression through words. Now, they have to two totally different purposes. A, a lyric has to sound right mm -hmm. in, in the framework of a song. And sometimes those lyrics don't even have to make any sense as long as it sounds right, you know, as long as the vowel sound is right that you have, you have to sit on, you know, as long as the syllable count is right or the cadence is correct. Um, you know, a lot of times it's been very collage oriented the way lyrics are written for myself. And uh, then, they, then they actually turn it into something else and have, find their own meaning, which is often revealed later. But... Uh, but a poem has to own a piece of paper. It has to own space just sitting there on a page, you know, or verbalized out loud without any sort of musical context. And so in doing it, I realized I think I do have a rhythm. I think I do have a flow. I think I do have a way of, uh, of writing that is perhaps, you know, unique to me and comes from a lifetime of writing punk rock lyrics. Nice, dude. Yeah, that's that's the beauty of everything you were just saying. Is that like when you go to we talk about Charles Bukowski on his gravestone, it says "Don't try," and what he means is just do it. Just do what you have to do, and then get it out there. Don't think it. Just do it. And I think that's something that uh, a lot of people they talk themselves out of the trying part, you know. And uh, you breaking through that obviously has shown a lot of artists out there right now that are maybe struggling with these thoughts that, Hey, just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. And, uh, you're going to find a voice. It's, it seems to be for a lot of people, 
mostly it's got to be genuine and obviously it's got to be you're not trying to impress somebody but it's just got to be putting it out there and trying and then you'll know when it's good because you have a standard do you feel like that's there's uh, some truth to that for sure yeah. you know like like uh for myself in the own journey it was like yeah it was it was also learning both with that record mm. and with that book it was a huge journey of learning to get out of my own way and not let the self-doubt or reasons why I shouldn't uh, stop me from kind of realizing some of my what, uh, my gift or my personal power or my even just my passion, you know? Like, um, especially coming from, uh, you know, the punk rock scene where we can be real nihilistic and sarcastic sons of bitches, you know? Like, when I first started coming to grips with that idea that I was putting out a book of poetry, I almost choked on those words every time I said it out loud. Like, because my internal voice is going, <laughs> yeah, a book of poetry. Who the hell do you think you are, man? That's like, you're way too full of yourself. That's crap. Um, you know, or, or just that, I don't know, that menacing voice that wants to talk me out of it, you know? And, uh, so I had to kind of wrestle with my own, a negative, sarcastic, um, uh, punk rock self and, uh, tell it to back off while I, uh, get to work nice, and, yes. and get this out there, you know? And, and, uh, just like releasing that first solo record kind of opened a whole road of self-expression for me that led to all the records since then. Uh, so this book, I can feel it has already opened the pathway of poetry to me now that I've broached the subject, now that I've crossed the threshold, now that I've thrown it out there. Now I don't have to worry about that part anymore. I've gotten past that hurdle and I've actually been writing a ton since then, sometimes every morning before I go to work, you know, if I, I get up and I'll, I'll sit and, and write a little bit with my, my morning cup of tea before I have to feed the dogs and get out the door, you know? Nice. A new art form at the, at this stage. That's, that's fantastic, man. I love it. So everybody, I want you guys to make sure if you haven't, you can go to vontill.org. You guys can pick up the book. It's available now. And that's going to bring us into the new records, a deep voiceless wilderness. Now it looks like it is a um, cover art wise, and uh, from the music that I've heard, it does look like a companion piece to No Wilderness Deep Enough, which just came out about nine months ago. Is there truth to that? More than that, okay. it's actually so. It's basically what I'm doing right now is releasing the same things mm. as I did last year. Uh, a deep voiceless wilderness is exactly no wilderness deep enough without the vocals. Oh, okay, great. No, I'm it, so sorry it, about that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, it's 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 the it's the original. It's what I wanted to make before Randall challenged me to sing. Mm, gotcha. And part of why I was so against singing on it was I feel like they really do kind of take on a life of their own and they have a different energy without the voice. And I really liked you know, I, I don't like listening to myself. Once I'm done with the piece and done mixing it and mastering it, I'm, I don't need to hear it again, you know? 
unless I need to listen to it to learn how to play it or something. Um, but with that, with no, with no wilderness deep enough with the instrumental music, which is a deep voiceless wilderness, mm. um, because that came to me so intuitively and I never, I never sat down to write it. I never labored over it. It just happened. It, and Harvest Man material is very much like that for me. I don't labor over it. I don't write it. It just happens. And so I can listen to that because I, I don't have, I don't feel like I have an ego invested. Um, and so really this music is that way for me. And without my voice in it, you know, the voice kind of grounds it, brings it to earth and, and provides a framework with which you have to experience it because of the words. Um, it's not telling a specific story. I, I think I'm still painting kind of an emotional picture that you can have a unique emotional experience to, but instrumentally it opens itself way wider to diving into the harmonics of the cello, the harmonics of the French horn, the, the decay on the piano notes that are very simple and sparse, but harmonically complex because that's just the nature of the instrument. And, uh, and the kind of psychedelic nature of some of the synthesizers, which on the vocal version might go unnoticed and fade into the background as texture. They may, they come to the forefront when you're listening to it instrumentally. And I think it, it becomes something different and it, and, uh, I felt that it kind of deserved to be heard on that level since that was the original vision. And so I had planned really from the beginning, you know, the same day we mixed no wilderness deep enough, uh, I asked Randall, I said, go over there and mute all those vocals and run another mix. And, uh, so that's what these are, you know, a deep voiceless wilderness is the same material as an ambient instrumental record. Nice. So the original intention and you, as you mentioned, uh, no wilderness deep enough. Uh, I believe it came out like August 6th with the book and with a deep voiceless wilderness, we do have. Harvest Man 23 Untitled Poems, where you're reading them as well, which is, both of those are coming out April 30th, so the package is kind of coming in, in a new format for us here on April 30th right. for both of these uh, these albums. That's that's fantastic, man. That's really yeah, cool. Yeah, it's still the record in the book, yep. but in two different forms. Absolutely. So everybody, I got to tell you guys, make sure if you haven't, this journey I just took with Steve, make sure you guys are checking out this catalog, but I am promoting... A Deep Voiceless Wilderness is coming out April 30th, guys, and Harvest Man 23, the untitled poems, both coming out April 30th. Guys, you can go to vontill.org to order it or neurorecordings.merchtable.com. All, everything's available there for sure. So with that, Steve, I know I've had you on the phone for quite some time. Everybody would kick me in the face if I didn't ask about what's going on in the neurosis camp. Am I allowed to see? Is there any kind of update for the fans out there of neurosis right now? Nope. We got nothing going on, really. I mean, we got home from touring in 2019 and with the intention of, of, of taking a breather because we'd been at it for a bit and uh, pandemic hit. Yep. And that's, you know, I mean, there's no plans, nothing going on at this point. Absolutely. Not a problem, man. Hey, we got a, a deep voiceless windowness. We got the poetry that you're working on as we speak. So there's plenty of going on. Uh, as far as the the neurosis camp goes, so with that, I got to tell everybody one more time, guys. April thirtieth, make sure you're pre-ordering it. A deep, voiceless wilderness and Harvest Man twenty three, untitled poems. 
Really excited. I finally got to chat with you, Steve. Really excited. We got to promote all the stuff you've been doing the last 20 years with your namesake on there. So I, I got to thank you so much, man, for calling in to the Metal Sucks podcast. Yeah, I appreciate your time and thoughtful questions, man. Thanks a million.
the Metal Sucks Podcast.
just a beautiful chat, beautiful time, guys. First song you heard is off the new solo album, A Deep Voiceless Wilderness. That is the spiraling away. So make sure you guys are picking that up. It is coming out April 30th. Also, don't miss out on the spoken word release, Harvest Man, 23 Untitled Poems. That's also coming out April 3rd, same day. Second song you heard is off that companion piece we talked about. The album he released about nine months ago with the book, No Wilderness Deep Enough. That song is called Indifferent Eyes, guys. That is with the vocal rendition. Pick up that copy as well. They go great together. I got both copies and I'm telling you guys, fantastic and completely different records. That's the crazy part about it. That's how much difference his voice added to those songs really did for me. So make sure you guys are picking it up. Once again, A Deep Voiceless Wilderness out April 30th, guys. Support Steve on Tilt. With that, I want to thank everybody, everybody out there for the five-star reviews we keep getting on the good old iTunes. You guys are the best, dude. That's all we ask for as a show. You know, we'll do this weekly. We haven't missed a week in four years, man. We've pulled off a really good run, so... Hopefully. Except for the holidays, right? No, we take we take a holiday break. Okay. This year we didn't miss any holidays because the interview offers I couldn't say no to. Right. I, mean, I will not say no to Lizzie Hale, Marty Friedman, or Ice T. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Oh, you do. Yes. Give Don't me. worry about Christmas. I got it. You know, so I mean, if they come our way, we're getting them out there to you guys, is our point. So all we ask for, five star review on iTunes, guys. And also for your guys' support on our other podcast, Ride to Offend, the documentary podcast that we do, documentary discussion. We discuss figures in society that may have been offensive and kind of give takes on possibly what was going on at the time this week as many of you know we are doing chuck Schuldiner of death uh we will get part two out to you guys hopefully by thursday or friday this week uh part one is out now if you want to check it out that is rise to offend it's available on every platform um we've done so many metal artists from henry rollins uh, Gigi Allen, and these aren't metal artists, but <laughs> Wendy Owens. We've done punk record, Pat, Marilyn Manson, Peter Steele, Phil Anselmo, the band that we didn't want to talk about. We did an episode on them, broke them down pretty good. So make sure you guys want to check it out. Rise to Offend is the name of that podcast. Um, again, documentary, so no laughs there. Well, a couple laughs. Yeah. A little bit. There's yeah. some laughs. Still some in personality. There. Some yeah. in there. Still, Still some personality. You know, <laughs> but anyways, with that, guys. You're the best. Love y'all. See you next week. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off.